I want uh, to talk a little bit about how we should impact through who we are, mm. our uniqueness. We are truly unique. There's but one of me and one of you. Some would say, thank God. <laughs> Others would say, amen. Um, but this is the foundation. This is the building block of the diversity we aspire to. We are so much more together. But if you want to impact through who you are, you need to be authentic. I still don't comfortably wear a suit and a tie. I still speak bad English with a Rustenburg accent. This is part of who I am. <laughs> Somebody loves it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Then ultimately, the big challenge, and many bigger world leaders have said this before, we need to be the change. In other words, we need to lead by example. Our actions should speak so loud. Well, our actions always speak so loud that people simply can't hear our words. That's what people follow and see. They see our actions. Oh, this is a bold slide. I didn't expect that. Um, I'm going to end off with that day in March 2000 because that was the day when I got very, very serious about changing the world of work. The collage of pictures I show you, it's <laughs> perhaps I show you a collage of pictures. Ah, gee, me and the, I'm on a different time zone. That one. In another scenario, I would show you when Pastor Roger married Trace and myself in the bush in Limpopo. I would show you me crying when I held Zach for the first time. Yeah. But this sermon is about this topic. So I want to show you some things that happened in my unexpected journey. Because I can tell you, when I grew up, I had no ambition, or dare I say expectation, to be either a CEO that run a mining company, but I also had no expectation to ever run the comrades. <laughs> Quite frankly, nobody in my family ever did either of those things. So yeah. Who was I to think things like that? I changed it. I'm just going to do the watcher. <laughs> Not the sound effect. Ah. So I often use the comrades as an analogy for one's life and, and, and one's career. It was recently. Uh, young Gerda Stein broke the record, came 17th overall. It's Not what a woman is expected to do, is it? A young mine worker from Impala, company whose board I said actually came first in the men's division. Mm -hmm. Two South Africans winning an international race. You know what? Like the comrades, it can be uphill. When I wanted to run this later in my life, just before I turned 40, people said to me, you must run up. I said, for a bigger guy like you, it's actually going to be easier. Sometimes we have to run up. <laughs> you would think downhill would be easier, but maybe that your comrades is meant to be the up one. It may just be simpler. You know, there are regular checkpoints. There's even a cutoff. If you aren't at a certain time at a certain place, all your effort comes to nothing. They stop you. They say, come back next year. You can try again. The thousands and thousands of other people that make it possible. Eh? I got a medal for, what, 10,000 people's efforts? So many people on the day, before, afterwards, I get to wear the medal, of course, because I also participated. Now, 
The second part of that, comrades, day after poly shorts, I tell you, it is purely mental. Anybody who's done that, there are ambulances everywhere. They beg you to stop. <laughs> you can at any time stop and get into an ambulance. <laughs> Life is like that, huh? There are so many cop-outs. There are so many good reasons to just <coughs> say, perhaps not this time. But of course, don't. We're not meant to quit. I'm going to do this one without the uh, sound effect. It doesn't work without Qatar. So the comrades is an uh, analogy for our lives and our careers. I truly had no realistic expectation to either run the comrades or to become a CEO of a mining company. I started running at about age 22, after both my legs were in plaster due to military service. Mm. I was sent to rehab at one military hospital. It's not a comrades athlete, is it? Yeah. It's not typically how you start to run a comrades later in your life. I mean, as Afrikaners, we were white enough to become mining engineers, but we were not expected to run the companies we worked for. We were expected to be middle management. There was nothing that said, from where I grew up, I was ever going to become the, the CEO. But at some stage, you start to believe, yeah, this is crazy. But who knows? Perhaps I can actually run a comrade. All the people I practiced with, trained with, every morning, five to six, I ran with a group of people. Most of them, uh, of them have done that. Suddenly, I thought, hey, this guy's older than me. Yeah, she may be younger than me, but man, she's a woman. How can she do that? <laughs> Whatever your issues are, <laughs> suddenly you start to think this may just happen. <laughs> At about, Carol will come afterwards and just yeah, yeah, recorrect, yeah. reprogram yeah. all the bad messages I've sent. <laughs> Somewhere for, through a whole set of circumstances, how the industry changed, what happened when the unions came into the industry, a generation of people, English well-trained, looked apart, people retired, and by the age of 30, I was running a big mine, not a mining company, as an Afrikaner. Suddenly, I started to think, you know what? Who knows? It's crazy, but perhaps. But we have to prepare. You can't just say, oh, that's like God intervened, and oh, he put me at the start of the comrades, and you know, no. <laughs> It takes a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. It takes our part as well. Yeah. We do need to repair. It takes hard work. I mean, yes, it takes hard work despite the networking that you think is critical, the privileges that you think you may have or others have, despite the good degrees that you may start with. It still takes hard work. Mm -hmm. It really does. Eh? In the end, nothing goes according to plan. Huh? Really, it doesn't. Not to according to our plan. Of course, it goes perfectly according to God's plan. About uh, three months before the comrades, my training partner, a young, a youngish sort of lady, a few years younger than me, she got injured, and all she could do was um, stay fit through spinning. It changed completely what we set out to achieve in the comrades, and we did better because of that. We started much slower. We gave up on our plan to run fast and make it in 10 and a half hours with an half an hour spare. We had to walk from early on to make it possible for her to do it. And we actually officially broke under 10 hours. We ran faster, completely different to the plan we had, yeah. to the nearest second planned out. Yeah. Now, I often ask, 
myself. But what if I had my way? What if my plan? What if God didn't interfere in my good plan? What if, <laughs> what if things went according to my plan? I can honestly tell you, and you don't need to be my age to realize that, I simply would not have been prepared for my journey for God's plans. Because I, I didn't have the full knowledge and wisdom. I didn't know exactly. And so, yes, prepare, but also prepare knowing that God may actually have a slightly different uh, plan. Now, despite all of that, there are times when, I, I mean, in this country it's got a name. It's called Polly Shorts. It's a hill where you put one foot in front of the other foot. No theory holds true. No practice counts. No big dream of the end matters. There are times when literally you put the one foot in front of the other foot and work as well. There's unfortunately such times in our life. I talk about change what you can. Um, and I said earlier, and I want to pause a little bit. Sometimes we're actually in a place where we're being prepared. If you're an activator like me, I know you guys have done strength. This <laughs> is a dangerous strength to have. Activate them. Things must happen. I can make a decision and implement. Oh, God had to work with me, and he still works with me. Sometimes we are being prepared. Sometimes I was put in a place where I had to sit in a chain house with miners, and those days, by law, they had to be white. They typically were white people who didn't finish school. They were all male. I would sit there. I, I'm not going to tell you we sat there nakedly because then I have to un-image un that for you. <laughs> but we would sit there. We would drink bad coffee. And these guys would talk about the company. They would talk about the strategy. They would talk about how the Engels is getting it wrong. Things aren't working the way it should work. And it was profound wisdom. I sat amongst the least likely people and I learned more about corporate strategy and how people experience it than what any MBA could teach me later. Those were the times of proper apartheid, legislated. I had a team leader who taught me mining. I had a four-year university degree. My wife still smiles when I say I studied ventilation for two years. <laughs> and this team leader actually taught me how things really work. I was supposed to call him team leader. He taught me everything in Fanagalore. I was supposed to call him team leader, or I could use it, uh, call him by his company name, our company number. At some stage, this was so awkward. After a week or two, I said to him, no, Luke, this can't be right. Surely you have a name. Of course, he told me, my name is Johannes. In time, I know his name was not Johannes. But Johannes was the name by which the system could handle that he shared his name with me, a white guy. So you can learn. But you must remember, when you're in a place where you're being prepared, then I think it's we must absorb those properly. Now later, yes, then I'm the CEO of a company. I can do anything, or so I thought, especially legal things. I could change the structures. We could tackle the power hierarchy. We could put teams in place. We could say, guys, if you bring the right skills together and you put a team together, then the captaincy is not such a big thing. Suddenly, young black people, females, could be captains running mines, long before there was BE legislation. Yes, we could do that. We could try to instill in a company that people are actually good. We can trust them. But think that one through. Do you trust them? Do you really expect them to clock in and clock out, to count their hours, 
I'm not quite comfortable always with some of these sort of concepts. So if you're not there where you can change the world, but don't underestimate what you can change, then you're in a place where God's preparing you. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Not to me, to God preparing yeah, yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> so did any of these great things turn out the way I thought? I can honestly say probably not. But often, now, many years later, people will come up to me and they would say to me, you know, what you did impacted on me. It changed my life. I'm a different person. I'm a different leader. Not me. The things that was done. When I was trying to change the world to a certain recipe, it actually impacted on people in ways I could never, never foresee. And I unashamedly tell you, some of those people have gone on and are really, truly world changers and changers in the industry. So yes, we define success. We say it's the end of the comrades. We say it's being the CEO. We say whatever. But God's plan is it takes us on a completely, completely different journey. I want to spend the last three minutes my wife gave me. You know, as a married man, happily married, after 15 years, I get to speak first. Otherwise, I don't get to speak, and I have to <laughs> stick to my time. <laughs> Nadia, you're not supposed to laugh like that. You know exactly what I'm saying. And all the women know exactly. They've told their husbands before. I even have notes because my wife would never trust me to speak uh, <laughs> without notes. A good wife. <laughs> so, you are one of two things. You're either where you are acknowledging that you're a leader or you're a leader in denial. Not in waiting, in denial. And I want to unpack that. You know what? It's okay to be a leader in denial sometimes because I meet people who are, they want to be powerful. They want power. I'm not sure. Eh? Be careful. Be careful if you desire power. Because people who want power typically shouldn't have it. It is really a scary thing. If power is driving, if you need to be the boss, work with your heart, spend time with God, think it through. Because if you want power, you're probably not the one who should have it, would be my, my uh, claim and argument. Now, I want to... It's already moved. I hope it doesn't move again. So I say we are all leaders, and we are all leaders of ourselves. What a safe place to practice your key leadership skills with yourself. It's nice and safe, huh? Now, I can tell you, I'm going to talk to the first three, and those first three are for entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs. Be positive. It's a choice. And I'm not talking about medical conditions of depression. I'm not talking, I'm, I'm not talking about times. And, and I'm talking to most circumstances. You actually can choose your, your position yeah, to something. As South Africans, we can choose to actually believe in our future again. Yeah. Yes, we can wait for leaders to help us with that. Perhaps we don't have to wait for others to take us there. No? Perhaps we can actually lead our leaders to, to a position of positivity, have hope, purpose. As I say, these are the ingredients of somebody who's a victor, not a victim. 
If you think you're an entrepreneur and you haven't sorted out these three things, I don't know what to do. Take a job again. Really, if you want to be out there, this, these are such key things. Trace and I spend our working time a lot in the space of talents. What are your strengths? What superpowers did God give you and why? Those are just two questions I, I, I wish every person could answer somewhere early in their lives. Yeah. What superpowers did God give me and why? Yeah. Now the why is obvious, of course. It's to bring his kingdom to earth. But why isn't more practical? Where I am, how do I apply these sort of uh, yeah. amazing superpowers? And I say amazing because it's from God. Yeah. not amazing because I'm cute or I this or I that. It's because it's straight from God. <laughs> You sh you're not supposed to laugh when I say I'm cute. <laughs> oh, that was unintended. Uh, <laughs> so, no excuse. You need to lead yourself. You need to lead others. Our question typically is, are you in any situation, any relationship, where you've got an influence on anybody else? You can't answer no. It's impossible to answer no to that. But then you're a leader. Influence, leader, relationship. Good. You are a leader. Good. I wish, I wish we could be authentic. I wish we could be at home like we are at church. Yeah. I wish even more deeply that we could be at work like we're at home. Mm. Do you know somebody well enough to know that at home they're loving, they're caring, they really, the way they raise their kids is just phenomenal. And at work, that position of power changes them. So, we really, uh, authenticity and we should lead the way. We should be examples of that. If I could be young again, even younger than what I am, obviously, the key, 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 Zach, you're not supposed to laugh that loud. The key really key skills I would invest in is I would learn to listen. And all men go, yes, we know. And all women go, yes, we know our men should learn to listen. <laughs> but I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's, it's so easy. We do that. Eh? How did you fall in love? You could not hear enough of what the other person said. You hang on their lips. You know? That's where it all starts. It always starts like that. There's no other way. Tell stories. Connect human to human. Mm. It's really how we impart our culture and everything to our kids. But at work, no, no, no. PowerPoint slides like these. Uh, you know? We speak a different lingo. We you know, leave your story stuff at home. And yeah, that's how humans really, really connect. And, and those two key skills, and there are others. I mean, otherwise there couldn't be MBA courses and leadership courses and so on. But this will enable us to lead with love and through trust relationships. It's as simple as that. Huh? It's not hard. And you're practicing that right now at home. And the challenge for you is to think of how do you take this back to the workplace. Not one day when you're the boss, but even today. My wife will be so relieved that I'm getting to the last slide. And I think I've got two minutes left. I may need three for this one. We need a kacha. 
This guitar thing is working. Are you going to get out before you at the end of your 10 slides? <laughs> so, the 30th of March, 2000, Randfontein. Not Randfontein, like my wife says, Randfontein. Huh? There's no Randfontein. I mean, uh, there's only a Randfontein. So it was a month, a week, and a day before my 40th birthday, a long time ago. We, as Harmony, did just did a very audacious takeover of a company that doubled our size. And it made us the sixth largest gold company in the world. I can tell you, everywhere in the world, everywhere in the world, London, New York, investors loved Harmony and me. They thought we could do anything. But I knew, I knew that the employees, not only of the takeover company, but of Harmony, they felt exploited, and they didn't like working for Harmony. I knew that I had to fix that, but I didn't know how, where to start. None of the tools I had at the time could help me do that. So I needed help, but only God could have known to send Tracy into my life. So I'm going to hand over to her to talk from here. What a relief to finally get the mic. <laughs> Thanks. And just good morning, everyone. It's a, a joy and a privilege um, to, be, to be back here. Um, it's, it's great to, to see everybody that we know and love. Um, and I want to start, um, if I can work this thing. Oh, you see. It's got to make eye contact with the back, I think. <laughs> so I want to start by sharing with you... Um, about a, a point in my career, comrades, uh, I didn't do the actual comrades, but in, in my career, where I was this close to giving up. And I'm so, so glad that I, that I didn't. Um, so it was uh, 19 years ago, um, the last week of March 2000. You'll see how this comes back to the cliffhanger that was left, <laughs> incidentally. Um, I just finished doing my MBA. Um, and I'd done my dissertation on how to reinvent employee communication, how to get leaders to change the way they do things, and brimmed full of theory and just looking for a place to practically implement this. The gold mining industry at the time was a, a natural target. They had lots of issues. And the company I was collaborating with had set up two great meetings for us in that last week of March, one on the Monday and one on the Thursday with the Exco. Uh, members of or exco teams of two very uh, big gold mining companies. So the, m the Monday meeting um, was in very plush offices in Parktown. Um, perhaps I remember it slightly melodramatically, but you know it felt like the carpets were up to there. <laughs> there were just pictures of old white men on the wall looking down at you, and and as in the in the uh, presentation as I sort of made my pitch and put my passion on the table, it felt like a few of them were sitting there in the room, um, sort of looking me up and down. I didn't hold back. I gave it my all. I told them how much I believe in change. And when the CEO sort of looked back, looked me up and down and went, so, lovey, do you really expect me to believe that you are going to go out and change the way my minds operate? Well, I have to tell you, I died a thousand deaths. 
Um, I was humiliated. I walked out of there as fast as I could. I said to my colleague, look, that's, that's it. This must be a sign. This is not the path to go down. I mean, let's, let's do anything. Let's change this. I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going down this road. Let's go to the movies, go to the beach. And by the way, I'm not going to that Thursday meeting. We're canceling it, okay? Not doing this, not going down this road. So, of course, the, the Thursday meeting um, that was set up with the Harmony Exco team um, couldn't be canceled. Um, and it, it took place in a very different um, environment, um, not in a, an office at all. It was in the Rand Fantin <laughs> Club. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to be authentic. That's how I say it. <laughs> so, um, but it was really a sort of a, a ramshackle, run-down little room. It was, you know, a bit musty-smelling. Um, and you know, at the time, the, the this team was was sort of well. You know, well known. It was that they were sort of shaking up the industry, doing things differently. Called you know, young Turks and young Mavericks and young everything. Um, and anyway, we were waiting for them to arrive and sort of wondering, you know, would they sort of just vaporize? Would they come by helicopter? What would happen? You know. Um, and I was standing outside. You know, we got there early to prepare. I was standing outside at the corner of my eye. I, I saw this sort of young guy, very casually dressed thought, okay, must be the waiter, could do with a Diet Coke. <laughs> Turned around, was about to ask, and was saved from eternal mortification when he said, hi, I'm Bernard Swanepoel. <laughs> so, so the meeting that took place was, was life-changing. I mean, in that meeting, there was a sense of that we could change the world, that we would change the world. Um, and I'm just, you know, to think I nearly... I, I nearly gave up, um, and God had other plans. So, um, okay, let's see. No, it's the eye contact. We've got to. <laughs> it's not working. Oh, there we go. Okay. So, being change agents, I want to talk a little bit about. It, it's not. What is the context in which we in which we are trying to change the world, trying to bring heaven to earth? Whether you are an entrepreneur whether you are, have a small business, whether you're working in corporate. Um, obviously, economically, it's challenging. But um, in terms of the mindset out there currently, how people are experiencing work, it really is um, very difficult. There's this growing disillusionment with the world of work. Even people's faces, when they say work, it's like work, you know? It's almost a four-letter word, not in the good sense. It's a, a life sentence, a, something you can one day be free from. Um, and I don't think, well, I know, we know, that, oops, now we, that that's not how God wants it to be. That's not how God has designed it. Work and worship come from the same root word. Um, and work needs to be a place where we play to our strengths, where we live out our potential, where we can actually find our destiny and where we can bring heaven to earth. Daily meaning and daily bread. So how do we go about changing this? Um, and as Bernard uh, alluded to, the first place we've got to start with with the change is here, is us. Um, we have to be able to think differently about ourselves in order to influence the environment out there. So in order to bring light into that situation, we have to have light. Um, this scripture, which will be, there we go, 
for me, really embodies this. Um, do not conform any longer. Oops, we've gone a little bit. Okay. Um, now it's a challenge in my eyes. <laughs> in Monka, to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect, pleasing, his good, perfect, pleasing and perfect will. Okay, so th the idea is that we need to change ourselves, we need to renew our minds. And um, as Carol um, mentioned in her intro, we work a lot with leaders in terms of development, in terms of self-awareness. And the, the thing about that I think is, is really important is that we get practical. So what I want to share with you today are three very practical tools that we can use um, to renew our minds. Before I do that, though, um, I'd like you to just take a moment... And I'd like you to think about a time when you were able to use a personal strength at work or in the environment that you're operating in, in the past month. It doesn't have to be the past month, it can be the past six months. At, just think about a time when you were able to use a personal strength. Now I want you to take 30 seconds to think about that. And then I want you to turn to the person next to you in true Andrew style. <laughs> and I want you to share how that made you feel. What was the emotion that you felt when you did that? So I want you to think about a time when you could use a personal strength very quickly. And then I want you to just share that the, the, the name, how, how it made you feel fabulous, invigorated, at my best with the person sitting next to you. Okay, guys. So all I can suggest is if the conversations need to continue over the Kenya Blue Mountain coffee, <laughs> please do. So the first tool is called, or I've called it Empower Talk. And this is about the internal conversations that we have with ourselves. It's about self-talk. How do we talk to ourselves? For those of you that are going, I don't talk to myself, um, I'll see you afterwards. <laughs> you will after this. But I mean, the, the research tells us we have uh, between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day, most of which are negative. 
Um, and we need to change that. Um, so just think for a moment, what is your internal conversation like? Are you your best, most encouraging inner coach, or are you your worst inner critic? I'm not proud to admit, but sometimes the way I talk to myself, I wouldn't talk to another person like that. And that is not good. So we have to change our internal conversation. Um, oh, thank you. Okay, how are we going to do this? <laughs> okay, and, and why do we have to do this? I just love this African proverb. Why is it so important to do this? Because it affects how we function in the world. When there's no enemy within, the enemy from outside cannot get in. You know, one of the, the most powerful sermons I've ever heard preached was about you choosing to take offense. Um, and I always keep that in mind. We choose to take offense, but our internal conversation lets that happen. Um, there's another great quote by um, Dag Hammarskjöld, who was the Secretary General of the UN many years ago, um, along the same lines. The more faithfully you listen to the voice within you, the better you will hear what is sounding outside without fear. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> so how do we go about doing this? Um, and good, I'm, I'm glad you can see the, the copy up there. How we change our internal conversation, one simple way is to change the questions. So if we change the questions we're asking ourselves, um, the internal conversation changes. So instead of thinking, what do other people think? Am I good enough? Do the, do the people think I'm good enough? Do the boss, the board, the whoever think I'm good enough? How am I performing relative to my peers? All of those are going to result in insecure, negative, not great self-talk. Instead of, let's replace those with, where did I use my strengths today? What's been my career high to date? What am I like when I'm at the top of my game? What are my superpowers? What do I love doing? Where have I made progress today? And what problem do I want to solve? There's so many more, but you get the idea. Change the questions, the conversation changes. So the next tool is um, so embodied by the scripture um, that I just wanted to, to, to just set it as a, as a foundation. To think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything that is praiseworthy, think about such things. And this tool is so simple, I almost feel like it's too simple, but it actually is the most simple and the most incredibly powerful tool. And that, that is to think about three good things today. So what have been three good things that have happened today? Now, either you can do this on your own, you can journal. We do it amongst teams. We do it amongst leadership teams, WhatsApp groups. And the power of doing this tool, obviously with, with all these things, it's about practice. You can't just do it sort of one day when, you know, or I mean, do it one day, but it's good to get into a rhythm and a routine of doing it. The power of this, and it's, it is, is actually um, all this sort of neuroscience, and it has a neurochemical effect on your brain that mimics an antidepressant. So it's, it's incredibly, it releases dopamine in your brain. 
Um, and really just to think of three good things. They don't have to be huge. They can be, you know, the, the sun is looking, you know, whatever it might be. It's really, really a powerful, powerful practice. Very, very um, uh, important in terms of building resilience, people going through hard times. So um, that's a very powerful one. And the last one is something that's related to this, but it has a, a slightly different different angle. This is something that I call reverse bucket list. Um, I don't know if you guys know what a bucket list is. You know, the, the things you want to do before you die. So this is the reverse of that. This is looking back and saying, you know, if I picture myself five years ago, what, what have I achieved? How far have I come? This is, again, incredibly inspiring, energizing, motivating. We don't do it enough. It is a, a really powerful form of encouragement. Same neurochemical benefits as the, as, the, as the other stuff. So I just wanted to share with you three practical ways how we can go about renewing our minds, think on good things, um, and I would really just encourage you as much as you can do those and get into a rhythm and a practice of doing those. Things really will change, and that's the way we change, and then we change the world. So, just in closing, let's not forget why we're here, um, that we are here to, to bring heaven to earth, that Jesus died on the cross for us, not for us to get through every week, go through the motions, but for us to be purposeful, passionate, world changers that bring his kingdom to earth. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Bernard and Tracy. That was amazing. Something that really struck out, stuck out for me was what Bernard said in the first half of the presentation was how we need to redefine the success, that, that what you give yourself to daily will determine what you get. And sometimes you work hard for something, and when you get there, you realize it's not what you really want. And so that as we, as we define a success in our workplace well, we will give ourselves to the things that really matter. And so let's, let's work hard on defining su success as bringing God's kingdom in our, in our environment, influencing people towards the good that Jesus brought through his death and resurrection, making a difference in people's lives. What I, I think is so profound about both Bernard and Tracy is that uh, they didn't really give you the final clincher of what happened in March 2000, is that they significantly, we significantly went and changed the... Uh, the racial mix of how minds worked, how the, the, they, they dismantled systematically racism in minds. And I, I don't know if you understand what an enormous thing this is, is that they have done in South Africa, that, that single-handedly or together they have, they have worked in a, a space that was so against the values of the kingdom and they have brought kingdom values there. They, they got resistance on every side. They, they, had to, they had to pull into themselves and find Jesus. They had to remember what was really true. They had to remember that it wasn't the opinion of the people around them that mattered, but it was the opinion of their God. And as they, they looked at the, the monster that was in front of them and they, they went at it and said, day by day, we're going to just put our feet in front of one foot in front of the other and we're going to tackle this thing and we know that God will give us the success that we desire. 
And I, I, I really I want to commend the two of you for the incredible work you've done in this nation. And I, I hope that in some history book your names will be written. But at the same time, I want to commend every single person here for the day in and day out work you do of bringing the kingdom against all odds, resisting the negativity you see, bringing positivity into that workplace, changing the way people relate to each other, influencing your world with the power of God's kingdom. And I want to commend each and every one of you. And I want to say that is a success in itself. And whether you get the promotion or not, I'm telling you in heaven you are getting promotions. I'm telling you that the anointing and the grace that is resting on you is increasing. And the, the mantle and the power that you carry in everyday life is changing. So I just want to, I want to commend each and every one of you. And I say don't stop, keep moving, go forward. Because God is, God is backing you with signs, wonders, and miracles. Something will change because you are faithful in what you are doing. Amen.